I'm Kate Daniels. In an ideal world, we look to find collaboration where the win-win philosophy really is put into practice. That's what I believe is happening right here in our own backyard with Furland Foundation and Furland Workshop. We have with us Matt Miller, who is the CEO and Executive Director of Furlan Workshop, and is going to give us an overview of the history and of the things that are happening today. It's truly inspiring. Matt Miller, good morning. It's certainly great to have you join us here this morning. Hi, Kate. How are you? I'm doing well. What about yourself? Good. Thank you. Matt, I really appreciate that we have this opportunity to speak so that I can become more informed about Furland in this case, and in doing so, provide some insights and information to our listeners about who Furland is, the work that you do, really what you mean to our community, to our citizens, and that diversifying seems to play into this as well right now. We're pretty much tied in with Boeing. Right. I mean, they, they represent 99% of our revenue. And so over the last couple of years with the COVID, they've had tough times, which resulted in us having tough times. Sure. So we've, yeah, so we've, you know, thought about it before, but it wasn't as, uh, I guess, important or imminent problem as it has been for the last, gosh, almost three years now. So. Mm. We've been trying to diversify a little bit, have not been hugely successful. Uh, so we're trying to get out there and, you know, make the community more aware of who we are, what we do, and, and see if there's a fit. Right. So with having worked so long with Boeing, and I'm sure then in doing so, you are very focused on the kind of product they need. So does Furland then basically see what the client needs and then create the product? Or how does that work? Uh, Typically, particularly with Boeing, they already have all the engineering done. And so it's taking their engineering, their specifications, and then turning that into parts, getting the material, getting the processing done, and turning those into parts for them. So we don't do design or our own in-house engineering. We're a pretty small shop. So we typically, we follow a customer's engineering or specifications and then build to that. Usually these days, it's not a, the old days would be a blueprint. These days it's a CAD file. So some CAD drawing that you can use to do all the dimensions and specification for the material and processes that need to be done, finishes, etc. And I'm sure that over the years, because, well, let's kind of backtrack a bit. How long has Furland been around to be doing this work? Uh, since the uh, mid-50s. So Furland Workshop is really a byproduct of an exchange that was in the old tuberculosis sanatorium. And then as the sanatoriums were closed, the workshop had been doing some work for Boeing and continued to do that up until this day. And that, I read a little of the story, and some of it is familiar to me only because a similar thing happened from where I grew up in central Canada and there was a sanatorium. But this may be 
something that a lot of people aren't aware of. So could you just kind of give us more of a history of what the sanatorium was and why there was then a connection made with Boeing? Yeah, so the sanatorium eventually was located in Shoreline, uh, just north of Seattle, on an old Navy um, military base. Now it's referred to as uh, Furcrest, and it's a campus and, and still has lots of older buildings, but it also now has the Washington State lab. There's a health lab there. There's also a habitation facility for folks with um, severe disabilities that are uh, live-in patients, and they have a, a staff there to take care of those patients. And so the workshop came out of that, and we're now in a building on that campus. And then as they closed the sanatorium, Furland continued to do work with Boeing. And it originally, what I've been told, and I can't verify this, but I, I believe it to be true, Mrs. Boeing was actually on the board at the sanatorium at one point. And when she found out about the exchange, which was folks at the sanatorium who were essentially, they were kept away from everyone else who were isolated, um, they had this crafts and gift kind of, but not but for sale shop where folks could make things and then they could put them up for sale and make a little bit of money um, while they were being uh, taken care of and, you know, release some of their boredom and also give them an opportunity to make a little bit of money. She found out about this and she thought it would be a really good idea that if Boeing had some work that they could send, simple work, assembly work, things like that, to the, the folks at the sanatorium, give them the material and give them the engineering and some training and have them do the value-added labor and then send the parts back to Boeing. And so that's what happened. And we continue to do that to this day. And this is essentially like about 70 years. Is it about, yeah, yeah. almost 70 years later. Yeah, it was in the 50s. Yeah. and yeah, all so it's, it's been a long, long relationship. And has really provided some really good experience and, and meaning to people's lives that they could do import work that was important that needed to be done. It wasn't just, uh, you know, make take up time kind of work. Oh, no, this is, um, so we're a 501c4 nonprofit. So we don't take any donations. Um, but the way we, we make money is just making mostly parts for Boeing and getting paid. And then we have uh, Furland Foundation and Workshop, which is the proper name, has a, a two, I'll say, objective mission statement. And the first one is is to uh, provide jobs, living wage jobs, to folks that have barriers to employment. It used to be uh, primarily or exclusively tuberculosis, but since the sanatoriums have closed, and tuberculosis has been not eradicated, but significantly reduced with new treatments and such. We expanded that employee, I'll say, pool to lots of other folks with all sorts of barriers to employment. And then the other part of the mission is to provide grants for the research and treatment of existing tuberculosis because there still is tuberculosis in the U.S. and 
to a degree, Canada, but there's also around the world, there's still tuberculosis is still a huge scourge. Approximately a million and a half people a year die from tuberculosis. So in developing countries, former Soviet bloc countries, um, Southeast Asia, and a number of other places, tuberculosis is still very, very prevalent. Well, one of our doctors, research doctors on our board, had uh, provided us with some information where worldwide there's approximately 3 billion people that either have active or latent tuberculosis. That is really incredible that the number is that high. And and yes. I know that and here in in the U.S. I I had heard actually just last year that there was becoming this resurgent of tuberculosis and sometimes it has to do with with the inoculations people perhaps not getting them or some living conditions kind of really lean into that but we do have to really be on guard and and that's the research that uh, is being funded from from Furland. Yeah, occasionally you'll hear um, some from immigration, so folks that are coming to this country, you know, for a better life opportunity, um, they'll actually come in with tuberculosis. And then there's also um, with the First Peoples and in North America, as well as in Alaska, there seems to be still be a higher uh, prevalence for tuberculosis, but a very small a much smaller percentage. I mean, it used to be, folks don't realize this, but tuberculosis used to be the number one killer in the U.S. It killed far more people than cancer, heart disease, you know, name your popular would be a bad word, but statistically most damaging diseases and tuberculosis was at the top of the list. And thus, you know, as like a testament to that fact, were these sanatoriums that were erected all over the country, with one being right here uh, in the Puget Sound? Yes. And, I mean, if you talk about COVID and some of the mandates that were put out and protocols um, and, and how much folks were un- potentially unhappy about that, you think back to the tuberculosis and what they did with the sanatoriums, it's like, that's a whole next level, but it was required because they didn't have the, they didn't have the treatment protocols and the drugs and the other things they could, that they have today to be able to treat TB. Right. And, and it was so contagious. So that was certainly the, the viable solution. Right. And then through the years and the workshop helped with some of that. Uh, research has been done, treatment protocols have come into place, and so it's a much better situation in developed countries like the U.S. and most of the EU, Britain, and so forth, these days than that have almost, not eradicated, but they've certainly significantly reduced the prevalence of it. So how does this work, Matt, that Ferlin, as the foundation uh, is involved, puts finances or puts monies toward some of the research, where, where is that funding from? Uh, is it part of 
you know, the work that's being done, but that's being used for salaries too. So how is that funding happening? Yeah, that's correct. And so all of that grants funding comes out of the revenue that the workshop generates after, you know, salaries and the rest of the expenses for the workshop are taken care of. Then monies are set aside. And then there's actually a grants committee and a submission process that folks that want to access that grant money can then apply for it. The grant uh, committee evaluates their submissions and depending on their merit and if they fit the mission, um, they'll be awarded some amount of money, sometimes for the, a year, sometimes for the duration of the uh, research project that they're typically on. And then we also um, fund, we're currently funding a five-year program in Kenya that's a couple of clinics that are they're actually studying. It's quite difficult these days to get active cultures of TB uh, domestically. So in Kenya, they've got a couple of clinics that are actually working with some patients to collect um, mucus and spit them and so that they can, the research scientists can actually use active live and, and current tuberculosis in some of their research activities. So that's typically how the monies, monies are, um, I'll say, awarded on a, on a yearly basis. So just kind and of then, a, a detour, though, on that point of Kenya, is it yeah. being done there because there is a higher incidence of tuberculosis there? Absolutely. Ah, okay. Yeah, it's one of the, it's a, a hotbed of active TB. Most of, I'll say, undeveloped or to two degree lesser developed countries where the, the medical systems or um, access to medical treatment and, and vaccines and such is so limited that tuberculosis just it spreads like wildfire, and it's very prevalent. Mm-hmm. Oh, so thank you. That is a new awareness for me and, and potentially for some of our listeners, too. So thank you about that. So that is one area where the grant money is going, but uh, there's a lot of research, I take it, going on. Yes, and and treatment. So we, we're mostly, primarily, we're funding um, the University of Washington scientists and doctors. Because there's a lot of treatment going on there. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of study that occurs at uh, UW. Sure. So they've got a very active group that is uh, regionally based that studies and, and also provides treatment for tuberculosis. And I didn't really answer your part of your previous question, which is about the kind of work that we do at the shop and development of the people. And so we're, we are a learning shop, a mentoring shop. <clears throat> we bring folks in that typically don't have any um, manufacturing experience or very limited. And we train them. We've got a smaller cadre of folks that are leads and managers that help train these folks how to successfully make very high-quality aircraft parts. So we're an AS9100 certified company, and we also work to BAC, which is Boeing's quality specification, 
and we do all the work in compliance with all of their specifications, the FAA and all of the other attendant requirements to make sure it's going to be aircraft-worthy parts, which is a pretty important distinction from a lot of other shops. And I think all of us can appreciate then how critically important this work is, you know, to the industry and that it is quality because of just what an aircraft means to most of us in our lives because that's our mode of transportation often when we're traveling cross-country. Right. And the risks for a problem or a serious outcome if there is a problem is so high that there are lots of stringent requirements put in place to make sure that the airplanes are as safe as possible. Absolutely. Then with our folks... As we train them up, mentor them, they get more experience. Our hope is is that they will acquire enough skills that they can, I'll say graduate, but they're able to actually go out and apply for a job at another aerospace manufacturing company or even Boeing and, and be successful at getting that job and doing a good job. And we've actually had a number of placements of folks that worked at the workshop that have gone to Boeing in recent years. So that is interesting. There, While this is really a good work situation for persons with disabilities, yet there's also the, the um, you have the motivation or you, you set in place that they get the education that they can go elsewhere. They don't have to just stay with Furland. Right. We we hope, I mean, part of our objective is that we can get everyone that has the ability that we can help them acquire the skills that they can do exactly that. And then that will open up a slot for the next person who's, you know, needs needs a good living wage job and we'll, we'll bring in the next candidate and start to work with and mentor them. So how many uh, staff do you have in terms of employees who are actually working on this line to manufacture the parts? Approximately 90, I'll say 90% of our folks are working folks. They're, they're actually working on the parts. So we're, a, we're we do precision machining. Uh, we also have a fairly large assembly area where we do assembly of components into larger assembled components for Boeing and other processes, water jet, we've got a turret punch, and a number of other CNC equipment to make sure we can meet the tolerances that are required and the specification for the customer. And this would take some training to really know how to use the equipment. Absolutely. we find one of the areas that probably takes the greatest amount of time because of the diversity of the types of things that come through that area is the assembly area. It's fairly complicated and there's a lot of variety. So it takes quite a while for an employee to go through a number of cycles of learning and on the various different kinds of assembled parts and then become proficient at that. 
and they do become proficient, right? Or are there some some people who find that this is really not the work for them? Occasionally, but what we try to do is is bring folks in and we'll try them in different areas. And sometimes it won't be, potentially it's not a good fit for them in assembly. So we'll put them in another area where they can be successful. Maybe it's in the machine shop. We've got a, a part mark area and a number of these CNC machines I mentioned that they might be able to become an operator. And so we, we try to work with people and find a good fit within the shop to the to the best of our ability. Occasionally, it doesn't work out. They've got either some challenges that uh, we can't help them. We can't help them overcome in the shop because of the type of work. But that's very very rare. Most people are quite successful, and we have very good very good standing with Boeing and very high metrics. For, for instance, where, gosh, it'll be four four more days, and four more days, it'll be eight years since we had a lost time accident, which is a staggeringly good record for most companies, particularly for this kind of work where things are they're hot, they're sharp, um, there's rotating equipment, there's opportunity to get lots of pinches. I mean, there's a certain amount of exposure that if you aren't very careful and diligent, you can you can get hurt really quickly. And so that's a really good metric. And then both of our, which Boeing measures us upon, both of our first build quality and our on-time delivery are stellar. And that's that's been for years. It all sounds really amazing. And of course, very important. And part of that importance is is this uh, situation that you do provide employment for persons with disabilities because sometimes there's such difficulty just in the general workforce to find that fit and to have uh, an understanding from the employer as to maybe needing to do some kind of accommodating based on the disability. But at Furlan, that's just taken into account and you are providing living wage jobs to these people so they can live independently. Yes, and and very satisfying work and very important work. You know, they're they're not making I don't know some some simple tinker toy thing, which mm. probably a bad analogy, but you know they're making high quality aircraft parts for Boeing, so it's. It's really important work, and they do a really good job at it. And the fact that you said some actually go on to work for Boeing, I think attests to the fact of how important the work is and how critical it is that they perform, the staff performs. Some are perhaps uh, in a position to move on to to work outside of Furland community, but uh, here... I, I think, again, it just underscores that. So I find this very impressive that this is available, and it's open to anyone who has a disability, though, to apply for a position. Is that right? Yes, you can apply online um, at our website, uh, furland.org, or you can come and visit us. The, the shops in the, in the Fircrest campus 
and we are very open to folks coming through and touring. We also um, offer benchmarking tours where folks will come through and, and see what we do, how we do it. We try to be open and offer that to the community so that some other businesses might garner something out of that to help them as well, and that would be fantastic. But there's the online application, and then occasionally, if we have need, we work uh, typically with uh, uh, DVR, the Department of Vocational Rehab. We've got a few counselors there that know about our shop, know what kind of work we do, and um, they will. we will ask them when we need to, when someone potentially gets hired at Boeing and we have an opening, then we'll reach out to DVR and ask them if they have any candidates that might be a good fit for the shop. And because those counselors have been through the shop and we've been working with them for years, they usually are successful at finding candidates that we can bring in, try out, make sure it's a good fit, and then, you know, everybody's everybody's happy. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And I like how, uh, you know, there is this system in place of how the employees learn so thoroughly. They're very good at what they're doing. They can go on to even work at Boeing and possibly other manufacturing. But then that this is highly uh, Boeing gives you such a high rating for this. And it's always good to diversify, to have other uh, businesses, companies that you work with. So you are open to having people come and take a look and see what's there. Absolutely. Yeah, we're trying to diversify a little bit too, uh, currently trying to uh, broaden our, our market reach and potentially find some other aerospace companies, um, other plane manufacturers that are located, you know, regionally, or other companies that could use our our services and um, get good quality work done uh, for good prices. So trying to encourage that, we have been for a while, but we're trying to encourage that to see if we can broaden our market and get a few other customers that would want to work with us. We've had some success here recently. Uh, we actually made, you may have heard about the uh, electric plane that flew in Eastern Washington mm-hmm. by a company called Eviation. It had its maiden flight. And we actually have parts that are on that plane. So we did a little bit of work for those guys. Well, that's and, very exciting. Yeah. Yeah, yeah it was, it's pretty cool. And then... We've had several other customers recently that have come to us for um, typically sheet metal applications, some enclosures, and some other things. So we're we're open for business and encouraging folks that want to support the mission and uh, want to have good quality work done on their parts uh, to come and you know look us up. And so to that point, how would a company, how would someone in the company reach out to you to uh, get more information and, and potentially really to take a tour? Yes, they could reach out to me. My email is matt, M-A-T-T, at furland.org. Or there we have a sales email account if they want to request a quotation and send in some specifications information at sales at org, or they can come by the shop 
if they if they want to, you can. We have a, as I said, a website, furland.org. We're on LinkedIn, and we also uh, and those are active. So there's ways to reach out and contact us there as well. So you've covered a lot of bases that way. Like you know, we're here. We're we've been around for seventy some years, doing great work. Uh, and the mission is just uh, such a motivation. I think supporting you know the research, the medical research with tuberculosis, providing work for persons with disabilities who might have challenges in other places, and really providing this good service that's local. You know, they say buy local. Well, here it is. Produce locally. Yes. Right? It, yes, it's a very, very important opportunity, I think. It is. And I'm just really impressed. I I had really very little idea that this was existing right within our community, that so much was going on. I expect others may have been educated in the same way as I have, and we hope so, so that they do reach out and uh, really take part or partake of what you have to offer in in one way or another and uh, just keep all of this growing. Absolutely. Yes. Well, Matt Miller, it's really been such a, a great gift to be able to speak with you, to to uh, learn about Furland and what you do, and, and hopefully uh, you'll be getting some attention from some folks who did hear about the work that's going on. Well, thank you very much for having me today. It's been my pleasure.